And I'm in a series about miracles because miracles will, will do that to you. And in Luke 15, there's a familiar story. Luke 5, sorry. Verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I want to say that word to somebody that's at home watching on the online audience. You may be sick in your home, but the power of the Lord is present to heal. Then behold, men brought On a bed, a man who was paralyzed, say paralyzed. He was unable to change his circumstance. He could not move out of his situation. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before Christ. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. I absolutely loved that. There are times you can wait and God will come to you, but I wouldn't advise that. I would rather recommend that you go to him if you need a miracle. There is one story in the Bible just off the top of my head. I can't think of another where Jesus went looking for somebody to heal. That was the man at the pool of Bethesda. The others came to Christ as near as I can remember And then there are occasions when you may be in such a circumstance, you can't go to him. And what I love about this story is his friends brought him to the Lord. Bottom line is, I don't care how you get to him, get to him. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that when he saw their faith, that is a phenomenal scripture. Because it means you can hitchhike on somebody else's faith while you grow your own. If you don't have enough faith, get in an atmosphere where there is faith. Don't sit at home thinking that anything is going to change. Get into a group of people, become a part of a group of people that are believers who have faith. That's the one thing I think that the enemy has tried to do in this whole pandemic is disconnect people from their church attendance because in this broken world, I can promise you this, every single one of us will need the action of and the activity of supernatural intervention in our lives. And it is so easy to sit at home and let your your faith wane. Now I realize there are people that are genuinely concerned and so I don't I don't you know chide them. That's not what I'm doing. But I happened to be in a restaurant yesterday and the screen was on behind me, the Astros were playing and I turned and I looked and I was stunned. There wasn't a seat that I could see. Now, I'm talking about it was jammed. And I didn't see any mask either. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, that's crazy. They're having their church. And again, I'm not chiding people that, that really, really have a situation where they need to be home. God is blessing. We're growing Sunday after Sunday. I'm just simply speaking from the perspective of a pastor that is concerned about the future of the people that he's connected to. There will in this fallen world arise a need at some point in your life that doctors, attorneys, bankers, friends, and family will not be able to fix. And you're going to need God. And if you don't have enough faith, you're going to need the community of believers to loan their faith to you. I don't think you even got that. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, 
Man, or said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your heart? And I want you to understand right now that one of the great enemies of faith is reason. The enemy will try to talk you out of a miracle by getting you to see how illogical it is for some things to happen. Pray for somebody and they get healed. Oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. Oh yeah. And I believe in reason. I'm a person of logic. I've been trained that way. I grew up that way, but I want to tell you there is a realm that defies what we call science. And that is the knowledge of God. God created science and he can work in it or out of it. It doesn't make him any difference. Amen. And so Jesus says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up. That's not very logical, is it? He rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I love that. Glorifying God. When God does supernatural things, it brings glory to him. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying we have seen strange things today. Or as the English standard version says, amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying we have seen extraordinary things today. At some point in every person's life, they need an encounter that just leaves them flabbergasted and in awe of the greatness of God. And I love this because the Pharisees accused Jesus of speaking blasphemy when he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. But he proved a point. And what it establishes is that if God can heal, he said, which is what he's doing to this man right now, take up your bed and walk. If God can heal, he is also able to forgive sins because he told the man, your sins are forgiven. Or let me flip it and say it another way that you might better relate to. If God can forgive sins, he can also heal you and do a miracle for you. That is what this story establishes beyond any sense of contradiction. Father, I ask that you would speak to us today because you are the God of miracles. And we pray that you will open your word to our understanding. And Lord, put us on a track that will cause us as a church family and as members and individuals in this body of believers to experience the supernatural activity of God regularly in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. The God of miracles. What is a miracle? A miracle is an effect or extraordinary event according to the dictionary in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Or you might say that a miracle is something that happens when God intervenes to change the predictable outcome of a situation into something infinitely better in a way that demonstrates his supremacy over all known human or natural laws. Amen. Miracles 
oftentimes will defy the laws that you and I have been taught to accept as being irrevocable and undeniable. And under most circumstances, they are. But we have to remember there is a God that is above all of this. And he demonstrated that throughout the Old Testament. There were many miracles that occurred in the Old Testament era. The miracle of the Red Sea parting. Never will forget when I was a young man, someone published an article saying, oh, it didn't really happen that he parted the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea at the upper northern portion of the of the sea and the water was very shallow. And somebody else said, well, that's more miraculous, m- miraculous yet. If God didn't part the waters, deep waters of the Red Sea, but Israel went across the waters of the Reed Sea, which are only ankle deep. It's a miracle because he drowned Pharaoh and all all his army in ankle deep water. Isn't that amazing? So no matter how you look at it, God is a God of miracles. And I think of them being sustained supernaturally 40 years in the wilderness, the Arabian desert, one of the most hostile environments on the earth. The miracle of Aaron's rod that budded. Uh, you may or may not know this, but being from California, a few of you are from California. It takes nine months for an almond tree to go through the cycle of growing buds, leaves, flowers, and producing ripe and mature almonds. God condensed that into one night, 12 hours in the manifest presence of God when Moses took Aaron's rod and set it beside the Ark of the Covenant behind the veil. It is an extraordinary thing to be in the presence of God. Not only does God accelerate and cause things that could take for years, uh, it could take years to uh, happen to suddenly become uh, of a frequent occurrence or speed up the pace but but God can literally do things that will boggle your imagination that was a walking stick it was dead it was shriveled up it was dry Aaron had taken it from an almond tree God brought it back to life I say that because you never know what God might be doing in your marriage right now You never know what God might be doing in your children right now. He might be calling to life things that have been dead for years. And he can speed that up when you're in his presence in prayer. Amen. There was water that flowed from a rock. That in itself is significant. Even more so, 1 Corinthians 10 said the rock followed them in the wilderness. That really blows my mind. A rock levitating and following behind Israel, gushing water. There were angelic visitations, supernatural victories, miraculous deliverances, and and healings that boggled the imagination. Supernatural provisions supplied. Who can forget the widow of Zarephath eating her last cake and she and her son were going to die during that famine and yet she was sustained for three years because she gave the man of God the last meal and oil that she had. The healing of Naaman. I could go on and on and on. David and Goliath. You are thinking of others. There are also the miracles in the New Testament that prove that God did not lose his ability from the Old to the New Testament era. He can still fix broken circumstances of life in which we find ourselves mired down and unable to extricate ourselves from them. In the New Testament 
many fed the wilderness and the multitude, not once, but twice with a few fishes and loaves of bread. And you never stop sometimes to think about, you just read it and like, it's a matter of fact, oh yeah, he did this miracle, multiplied the fish and the loaves. Do you realize while it was in his hands, he had to do a creative miracle, grow a harvest of wheat He had to then thresh it, mill it, and then he had to cause it to be turned into bread. And Jesus is just sitting there chuckling while all of this miracle is going on in his hands. God can supernaturally accelerate your harvest and multiply your efforts and cause unbelievable things to happen. He healed the woman who had the issue of blood who said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, he healed the ten lepers. He healed blind Bartimaeus. Christ did so many miracles that the apostle John records that if they were all written in books, the world itself could not contain them. And then God crowned all of his supernatural achievements was the greatest miracle of all when he raised Christ from the dead after three days. That is astonishing. And an even greater miracle than the feeding of the multitude is represented in this building. Everyone one of you that have been saved have received a miracle from God, a miracle provided by grace and one we don't thank God nearly enough for, nearly enough for. The big question is, and the one of paramount importance is this, does God still work miracles in 2021? Not only did God do amazing miracles in the Old and the New Testament, I believe that he still works miracles today. How do I know that? As I said, one reason he saved me and he saved you. And that right there is a pretty good miracle considering where some of us came from. But there are times that you and I need to ask ourselves, why would miracles be necessary in today's world? Because there are those around you that that forget that God exists. And there are those that would have you believe that he does not exist. And so they would put miracles on a shelf above your reach, like a child that can't reach an upper shelf. They would place supernatural activity out of reach of people in today's world. And you never need to let anybody do that. You should not ever let anybody do that because we need miracles. And I'll tell you why much of what we face in this world is the result of living in a broken world. I mean, everybody's car is going to break down. Your refrigerator is going to go out. Your pipes are going to freeze once in a while in a winter storm. I mean, that is life in a fallen world. You will get sick. But I want you to realize there really is an enemy who is plotting and conspiring against every person that is in this room and everyone outside this room. And there are times when you are going to need God to step into the middle of it and say enough is enough oh come on somebody give God some praise in this house I'm not one of those that goes around looking for a devil under every rock you stub your toe oh the devil did that no you just weren't paying attention to where you were walking 
But there are times when there is an enemy that comes against you and you in the flesh are no match for a spiritual entity that is trying to stop you. You need supernatural help. And that is why greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Give God some praise. Amen. We need divine assistance. And one of the ways that God renders divine assistance is through angelic intervention. Oh, I've got to hurry. One of the names of the Lord is the Lord of hosts. That means the Lord of angel armies. And God has innumerable armies of angels. I think of Jacob, Genesis 28 fleeing from his brother Esau, came to a place called Luz as the sun went down and was tired and he pulled up a flat rock. There are those flat rocks all over the Middle East if you've ever been there. And he lays his head on one to prop up his neck and and he dreams a dream and he sees a staircase. The Bible called it a ladder, but the Hebrew word literally can be interpreted a staircase. And this is what he saw. Angels ascending and descending from on that ladder and right away most of us we we filter into this story our own perception of what happened and we think it's angels descending and ascending I want to correct that that's not what the Bible said from our perspective it would be descending and ascending but God said no he saw angels ascending and descending they were here they were already available and when you have a need they will carry your need to the throne of grace I need somebody to realize you've got angels all around you that are commissioned by God to watch over you day and night night and day angels all around me hallelujah to the Lamb of God And you need to realize how powerful angels are. Jerusalem was besieged by a huge Assyrian army. And Hezekiah took the letter where they had threatened the city of Jerusalem with annihilation and and brought it into the house of God and said, Lord, I got this in my mail, but it's really for you. And spread it out before the Lord and prayed. And do you know that night God sent one angel and killed 185,000 of the enemy. I got to emphasize that because according to Jewish scholars, some argue and say seven, others say nine. You have seven or nine angels assigned to you when you are born. I need somebody to realize you got angels watching over you. And when you walk in the presence of God, Satan cannot lay a finger on you when you are there. Hello, somebody. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near your dwelling. Oh, I feel that. Somebody needs to tell the devil, you're not coming near my house. I said, somebody needs to declare it. You're not coming near my house. My house is... My kids are covered by the blood. My marriage is covered by the blood. My finances are covered by the blood. You may end up at the neighbor's, but you can't come near my house. Hallelujah. 
Hebrews 1.14, the Passion Translation asks, what role then do the angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God to serve those who are going to be saved. That's me. That's you. I will someday walk streets of gold. And God has sent spirit messengers to serve us while we are here. There was a time that David faced an army of the Philistines who had come to attack Israel. First Chronicles 14, 15 through 17. And God said, don't go yet. You wait, David. And you will hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. Okay, that's trees, right? Tops of the trees, not the lower branches, tops. And he said, then thou shalt go to battle for God has gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as God commanded him and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to Gazer. And the fame of David went out into all lands and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. You know what I love about that? Because the word, I mean when we look at that, we see, we see things you might miss. If you just don't dig any deeper than that and you just read it and keep on going but that word going in the mult and the tops of the mulberry trees the hebrew word means the sound of marching marching and when you dig into the hebrew word it's the sound of marching and the noise made by the leg and foot armor of an army you got an an army so tall that their knees, I love this, are up at the top of the mulberry trees. And God says, David, don't you show up until my angel army shows up. And then you march out with them. And he said, this is what happened. He said that, that David, when he did this, this is in the word of God. He went out and defeated the Philistines. But do you get the idea? It was really the angel's army that defeated the Philistines. Be careful you don't take credit for what God is doing in your life. For the accomplishments and the achievements that God has granted to come to pass in your life. And I love this. The fame of David went out into all the lands. Here I am standing around waiting for the angel army to show up. And they come and I hear the clank of their armor in the tops of the mulberry trees. If, if their knees went all the way to the top of the mulberry trees, I have no idea how tall those fellows were, but they were big. Amen. And then I, I march right along with them and God uses me and, and uses them and that defeats the enemy and then gets Guess who gets the credit for it? God says, mighty warrior. And the Bible literally says that, that David, his fame went out through all the, the nations and, and the people had awe and honor for him. Why? Because of what he did? No, what angels did who fought alongside him. And that's a word for somebody in this house. You will go so far if you do it in your flesh. But if you ever get God in the middle of your situation, he can propel you to heights of success you will never reach all alone give God some praise one more time I gotta hurry does God still do miracles? I think of Ernie Fargie. We moved in this building in, in April of 2019 and then about this time of year two months or rather uh, two years ago um, 
Ernie Forge came and was standing right there. Now, Ernie Forge, you don't know him. He is the father of Jason Forge. Jason Forge is one of our board members. And Ernie lives in Branson, Missouri. I'd never met him. I just noticed that at the altar service, there was a circle of people gathered around a man right there. Oh, I long for the day we could have altar services again. Amen. The way we did before. And I'm going down praying for people. And I look over and I notice that all the people that are praying around this one person that I don't know, that all of them are members of my family. Jason is a part of my family. My daughter was there. Uh, Some of my grandchildren were there. And other. And so I go over there and I ask what's going on. And, and my daughter tells me, this is Ernie Forgy. It's Jason's dad. And he tells me, he stops praying. And he said, I've been sent here by my doctor from Branson, Missouri. I have stage four cancer. There's nothing that they can do. They told me it's, it's over. And I said, the only hope you might have is to go to Houston. There's a hospital there called MD Anderson. It's world renowned. They have experimental cures that they're working on for cancer. And they said, we'll give you a referral and you can go down there and you can go to the hospital and see if maybe, maybe they might have something they can do to help you. And he said, I'm here to go to the doctor. I'm here. I've got an appointment for tomorrow. That was Monday. Sunday, he's right there in the middle of the aisle. And we prayed together and cried together. And the Lord came and you could feel the presence of the Lord. And I shall never forget that he, that he wiped his eyes. I think he took a handkerchief out or someone handed him one and he wiped his eyes like this. And he looked up at me and he said, well, that took care of that. He said, I'm healed. Amen. I will never forget it. Never. He said that did it. And I'm one of those that likes to have these kind of things confirmed by a doctor. And so I told him, I said, go on now because God will get greater credit out of it. If you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a clean bill of health, he said, I will. But he said, I'm healed. I know I am. I said, I rejoice with you. We all ended up at my daughter's house later that afternoon and talked about it again. And this was a man, when you looked at him, you looked at, at, you were looking at death warmed over. I mean, there was no way he could make it, but he went to the doctor and a few days later got the results and they called to tell me no cancer, nada. It was gone. There is, hear me. Hallelujah. 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 I'm talking to somebody that could, could receive a miracle in this building or this week. Amen. Amen. Completely healed. And oh, by the way, it has not returned. He's still healed two years later. Amen. Now, having said that, I believe God also works through medicine and doctors. And I'm not opposed to people going to doctors. I I went to one on Friday. Like I told you. Amen for uh, an appointment. And and I, I just will say this. It really doesn't, frankly, it, and I mean this. It doesn't matter to me if God uses medicine or a doctor or heals me spontaneously. As long as the need is taken care of. Hey, who am I to question what God has just done? But the point I'm making is there was no chemotherapy, no treatment. The man was dying and God healed him without a human being being involved. On the other hand, we have Colby Bondenstein. 
24 years old, who was stricken with COVID. His mom and dad were in the first service. And Colby Vondenstein, his beautiful little wife and their, their little children was at the point of death in the hospital for months. They had to chisel his lungs out. The disease destroyed his lungs. He got a double lung transplant, a kidney transplant, a cochlear ear transplant because it destroyed his kidneys and his hearing. And do you know that there had to be hurdle after hurdle stepped over to get approval? But all during the while, his family prayed. We prayed. His name was on the board. And today, God has touched him. He's well. He's strong. I'm going to baptize him and his wife in just a few days to God be the glory. Miracles. The God I serve is a God of miracles. God still heals people today. You've heard me tell of what God has done for me. You're looking at somebody that has been rear-ended I lose track either eight or nine times. I think it was eight serious times and one not so bad. Amen. Rear-ended, all of them. I've had, I said the other day in the service, I've had 22 surgeries and surgical procedures. It wasn't. I added them up. It was 32. I just have lost track of them. I've lived with pain for years and years until evangelist Lloyd Buster, one of us, my sons in ministry, has become a son to me now, came and was preaching in a Holy Spirit encounter and turned to me and said, God's healing you. And do you know the pain was lifted and God touched my body? There is a God who works miracles. Amen. And you can say that was a psychosomatic healing. No, my pain management management specialist would argue with you. They tried to put me on a pain medication, hydrocodone, four times a day. That stuff is addictive. I said, Doc, I'm a pastor. I can't do that. He said, you have to. You will not be able to live with the pain. And it was tough. And I refused to take one. You see me smiling. Oftentimes, I wasn't smiling on the inside. I'd take one pill at night sometimes to cut the edge so I could go to sleep. But after God spoke that word, the pain is gone. I need to have myself a praise fit right now. I need to just stop and say thank you because you're a God that works miracles. Is there anybody in the house that knows what I'm talking about? Amen. 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 Oh, I know I walk a little bit funny. I've got structural issues. I mean, after all, uh, eight back, seven back surgeries, fusions, disectomies, laminectomies. I feel like I have a medical degree. I've learned so many medical terms. Amen. Knee replacement. You know, pacemaker, open heart surgery twice. I've been, that's only, that's only the, some of the stuff. I'll just say this. I may walk a little funny, but I'm not walking with the pain I used to have. And between me and you, I can put up with that. Oh, somebody give God some praise. You say, why are you preaching this? Because somebody in this building is about to receive divine intervention. There's a God in heaven that's about to step down on the balcony of your life. Whisper in through the window and say, I'm going to change everything. That you will have a reason to give me praise. Very quickly. There are many benefits of miracles. Number one, an unresolvable need is met. Number two, you realize that God really does know and care about you. 
Jerry, do you remember this? We were in Indiana and we had two little babies. And my son, Jonathan, was, was only three years of age. Shell was not even quite a year. Or maybe it just turned a year. We went to a camp meeting. I quit a good paying job. And we went because I felt the call of God to get into evangelistic ministry. I shall never forget it. We were in that camp meeting and we used up all the money we had. And my wife and I began to pray. And, and back in the day, you know, I've got all these Bibles on my iPad. And I've got Strong's and I've got dictionaries. And, and I've, I've got, even got the Parallel Bible. And it's got a ton of translations. Back in the day, I used to have to carry a whole bunch of books around. And my Bible, a Thompson chain. Anybody remember those? I mean, big old thick Bible, all the, 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 the tabs on it. It was in the glove box. And Jerry reached into the glove box and opened the glove box, took my Bible out and opened it and a hundred dollar bill fell out. And we were flat broke. I'm telling you, are you hearing me? We had nobody to go to. You're saying, oh, $100 ain't much. Well, let me tell you, I looked it up yesterday. With inflation, it is now worth $617.82. If I get ready to give you $620, will you turn it down? Oh, no. I learned right then and there, God knows my situation. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be stressed out. Number three, your faith is increased. What do you think happened to me after that camp meeting? I'll tell you what happened. I never worried about God ever providing for me again. Not one time. In all these years, we've never worried about that. My faith was not the same. Number four, God receives glory when a miracle occurs. And number five, unsaved people learn how wonderful God is. And so as I finish this in the next couple of minutes, how do you receive a miracle? There isn't a simple ABC formula to follow. We would love for that to be the case, wouldn't we? Because we like everything laid out in that kind of a manner. But I'm going to give you a few things to consider since there isn't a simple formula laid out in scripture. Number one, stand on the promises of God. Say that with me. Stand on the promises of God. Stand. You know why many people do not receive miracles? They don't know the promises that are in the word of God. This generation is one of the most uninformed, uninformed rather, regarding the teaching of scripture that has ever existed in modern times, get the word of God out. Spend time with God. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And you need, let me say this, to do it now when times are good. This world is set up in such a way that you're going to have some rough times. Jesus said it. I hate to be the one to break the news to you. In this world, you shall have tribulation. It's a broken world. It's a messed up world. You still buy into all this stuff that politicians are going to fix everything? Hey, I have some prime lakefront property, oceanfront property down in Arizona that I'd like to sell to you. And if you don't know the map, Arizona is not bordered by an ocean. So keep on dreaming. Amen. If you think politicians are going to fix it. But I will tell you this, that you don't wait until you need a miracle to begin to learn the word of God. You need to get serious about your daily devotionals right now. Join the daily devotional that I write every day. Number two, trust God. Everybody shout that. Trust God. 
even if nothing happens, keep trusting God. Continue to trust God. Number three, go deeper in worship. That is the word the Spirit is speaking to this church right now. Go deeper in worship. Go deeper. We have our our own little self-imposed ceilings. We got our little rituals we go through. But how many of us push in an effort to break beyond that, to get deeper in the presence of God? Miracles occur in deeper worship more than at any other time. Number four, enlist the power of prayer and fasting. That's what Jerry and I were doing in that camp meeting in Indiana. Not all of it was because we wanted to pray and fast. We didn't have any money. I've been there. And God supernaturally provided. Number five, intentionally with deliberation. Stretch your faith. Do it because you decided to do it. I want to ask you a question. What is the biggest thing you could believe God for right now in your own personal life? What is the biggest need you have in your personal life? Or maybe in your family that you could believe God for? I'm not talking about better car, better house. I'm talking about need. You've got a need. You're living with a condition. Maybe it's in your body. Maybe it's a circumstance regarding a child. What is the biggest thing you can stretch your faith for to believe God will do? Stretch your faith intentionally and deliberately. Number six, keep seeking, but listen up. Realize that sometimes the miracle is the grace you receive from God to go through what you're going through. You need to understand that. I went through some things during those years when everybody was walking and smiling around me and I was struggling because of the pain that racked my frame. I went through some stuff, but it was the grace of God to go through it that kept me going. And that by itself was supernatural. The grace to go through it. Look at your neighbor and say, when God gives you the grace to go through it, tell them that. When God gives you the grace to go through something, that too is a miracle. And number seven, regardless of whatever happens, keep giving God the glory.